Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the anointing that's upon your word and upon our ears to hear it our hearts to receive it and our minds to be open as we now set ourselves to receive from your precious holy word revelation and light. Thank you for the anointing of your spirit and for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth and demonstration of the spirit and the power that our faith would not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you this morning about a very important subject of the Bible, and that subject is spiritual authority. Spiritual authority, or dominion, you can call it spiritual dominion, but suffice it to say spiritual authority. And I want to begin by pointing out the fact that Christians do not need to be defeated in life. I want to say that again. Christians do not need to be defeated in life. They need not be overcome by the circumstances of life. Amen. Glory to God. Well, you say, why? Well, because God's on your side. God is bigger than anything the devil could throw our way. Hallelujah. Well, then you say, then why are there so many Christians that are defeated? Well, you said you want the truth, didn't you? I mean, do you mind if the truth will hurt your toes? Or do you know that God will heal your toes also? Right? Well, the truth of the matter is this. If Christians are defeated in life, it's their own fault. I know we don't like to hear that kind of preaching, but so, nevertheless. If we are defeated in life as a born-again, spirit-filled, word-believing, love-walking, you know, child of God, then we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Eve said, the devil made me do it. Adam said, the woman you gave me. She made me do it. Well, then we've got those that say, well, the devil made me do it. No, you can't blame the devil. 
I'm going to say it again. You can't blame the devil. Why? Because the devil is a defeated foe. Too many believers view him as somebody that has all this power, but the devil is a defeated foe. I hear somebody saying, Shh, say that, he might hear you. I wanted him to. I said it again, the devil is a defeated foe. He don't know it, and that's why we got to tell him. That's the truth. He thinks he's not. But he's whipped. He has been defeated. He met his match. His name, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad Jesus defeated the devil? The Bible says he came to destroy him that had power of death. That is the devil. The Bible says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. One says, undo, outdo, overdo the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Well, did Jesus come? Well, did he, you know, was he raised up from the dead victorious? That means he defeated the devil. So we can't blame the devil because the devil's a defeated foe. I want you all to say it with me. The devil is a defeated foe. He cannot defeat me. (laughs) Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Well, you can't blame others. (laughs) <laughs> wasn't for my wife, I'd study my Bible more. Well, you don't know my husband. I'd be more spiritual. It wasn't for him. But we like to blame others, don't we? We always like to blame somebody else when it comes to our problems. No, you can't blame others. You know why? Because we are free will moral agents. And because we're free will moral agents, we cannot be defeated or overcome without our own consent. Without our own consent. In other words, it might be a consent of ignorance, but it's a consent. What we're saying is, go ahead and rule my life. Go ahead and lord it over me. See, and we end up trying to blame somebody else because of our spiritual failures. But you see, we can't do that. I know the devil would want us to think that somebody else is the cause of our spiritual failures because that's an easy thing to think. You know, it's easy to put the blame on somebody else, isn't it? It's easy to put over here and say, well, you know, it's their fault. Like I said, it's nothing new. It started way back in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve did the same thing. Well, we shouldn't have that attitude. We shouldn't maintain that attitude in our lives. We should maintain this attitude. If I'm defeated, it's my fault. I do. (laughs) If I didn't make it, if I missed out, I have nobody to blame. I can't blame God because He's given me spiritual equipment. As a matter of fact, according to that scripture right there, there hath no temptation. Everybody say, no temptation. Taking you but such as is common to man. What's that mean? That means man is not tempted above his own environment. He's not tempted with something that is so far off and out of reach that he has no means whereby to overcome that temptation. Saying that 
any temptation that comes to an individual upon this earth, any human being, no matter what it is, no matter what it might be, I can just hear them saying out there, well, you don't know my problem. Yeah, I know, but I know God. You don't know my situation. Yeah, but I know God. I know Jesus. I know the Holy Ghost. I know the Word. And we try to figure it out with our minds. We try to reason it out in our minds. We try to let human thinking, you know, solve spiritual problems. And it just doesn't work that way. Let's go to what the Word says. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Hallelujah. Everybody say, God is faithful. God is faithful. Say, I serve a faithful God who cares about me. Hallelujah. Who will not allow. Glory to God. Did you hear that? God don't allow it. What doesn't He allow? He doesn't allow the devil to use something that's beyond our ability to overcome. He doesn't allow. He won't allow you or me to be tempted above which, that which we are able to overcome. That is an impossibility. That's why all things are possible with God. It's impossible for the devil to throw something our way that we can't overcome. God is faithful. We can't blame God because God has made our way to escape. Isn't that what it says there? Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation. God didn't make the temptation. The Bible says the tempter is the devil, doesn't it? The tempter came to tempt Jesus. And you know the story. Jesus was tempted of the tempter. God doesn't allow us to be tempted above that which we are able. And God also makes, has already made the way to escape the temptation. You know, sometimes I think we just read those things wrong. It didn't say, wait till you're overcome by temptation, then there's a way out of it. Like you're under the burden of this horrible thing and there's a way out of it. That's not what that's saying. It's saying the devil is not allowed to tempt you with anything out of our league. And whatever he shoots our way, whatever he fires our way with his fiery missiles, darts, whatever comes our way, God has already made the way to escape that temptation before it even comes. So knowing that the fiery darts come in your way, you can put up your shield of faith and quench that fiery dart and escape it. Escape it. Not be overcome by it, but escape it. Forward to God. So you see, we have nobody to blame but who? But ourselves. Why? Because God's made a way. So now if you can't blame the devil because he's defeated, if you can't blame others because you're a free will moral agent and you can't be overcome except with your own consent, and if you can't blame God because he made a way out, Who's left to blame? Little old me. Right? Just me. Why? Because you see, beloved, God has provided for us a glorious plan of redemption. And that plan of redemption is not for a select few. That plan of redemption is for every individual in the body of Christ. It's for every individual that will come and hear His voice. Everyone. He didn't make up this plan just for one or two or three or four. He made up this plan of redemption for all of us. And we all have the same redemptive rights and privileges. I don't have more rights than you and you don't have more rights than me. We are equal heirs, joint heirs, you see, with the same God, equal heirs with the same Jesus. 
Let's show you that. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Well, let's start with 16 and read 16 and 17. The Spirit itself, or Himself, bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Say it with me. We are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. Well, we're heirs of the same God. We're joint heirs with the same Jesus. We're not somebody big because of who we are, are we? We're not somebody special because of who we are, are we? We're not somebody who's strong or powerful in this earth because of who we are, are we? You know who's somebody? God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the blessed three in one. There's somebody. We just happen to be hooked up with them. Blood relatives. Blood relatives. Boy, that's a good place to shout. Do you see that? We're family. Oh, it's, not ne it's never dawned upon our hearts. God's your Father. Oh, glory. God is our Father. N notice this over here in verse 31. Here's another reason why we shouldn't be defeated in life. Look at verse 31. What shall we say? then say to these things? Well, if God be for us, who can be against us? What are we going to say about this? That's what Paul wants to know. What are we going to say about all this? Well, he said right there, if God be for us, if God be for us, who could be against us? Who can successfully stand against us and destroy us if God be for us? You know what it means to be for somebody? I mean to really stand by somebody's side and say, if you, you know, you mess with him and you mess with me. Now, if you only weighed 75 pounds, you know, I'd question you being a bodyguard. But if you was one of them big old wrestlers, you know, weigh about 400 pounds, you know, then I could say, well, you know, you could protect me. Come on, let's go. But now if you say you're God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, the Godhead, and you're for me, you're on my side, you're going to protect me in life? You're going to watch over me by keeping your eyes upon me? Protecting me from all loss, harm, damage, or injury. Not only by your eyes upon me, not only by your spirit, but by your angelic host. That outnumber all the demons of hell put together. And are stronger and superior to and strength and power over them. I say just like the Apostle Paul said. If God's for me, let's say it together. It's, if God's for us. Nobody can defeat us. Nobody can defeat us. Glory to God. 
There's just something about chewing on that word. I know you know that scripture. We can sit there for a while and just chew on that. That's the table He's prepared before us in the presence of our enemies. We're in the presence of our enemies. They're out all around us right now, round about. You want to say it louder. God's for us. Nobody can defeat us. Devil, that means you. Hallelujah. That's the kind of attitude we need to have and maintain in our lives. You young people out there. You face more in life right now than probably most of us put together has ever faced. You face more ungodly influences right now. You've got more demands upon your life probably than any, any other generation. When we're back in school, we're learning how to count with your fingers. One, two, three, four, you know. Today, they got computers. I mean, they're just sitting around going, Hey, Daddy, know how to do this? Watch this. What you talking about? I didn't learn any of that stuff. I said, does it have a chapter and verse to it? No. But the demands that's placed upon these young people's lives, I don't think, we, you know, we just go flow with the tide and, and, you know, whatever comes along, we expect them to do it. I believe we're all guilty of it. We have high expectations for our children, not recognizing the fact that the world system is going in a wrong way. More demands put upon those young lives to do this and to do that and to do this and to do that but not to serve the living God. I want you young people to know something out there. There's a greater force inside you than the influence that's in this world. God in you will put you over and make you a success in every area of your life. You need not be defeated in life. You need not be destroyed by the devil. But you've got power and authority over all the demon forces of hell all put together in the name of Jesus. And if you want to learn something of great value in your life, young people, all of us, learn the authority you have in the name of Jesus. Learn about the God who's for you on the inside. That'll put you over. Let's look at that next verse. One of my favorite verses of Scripture. I have many. That's one of them. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for a few of us. Sometimes I misquote that, huh? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up, up for us. Everybody say all. all. Jesus didn't die just for a few of us. Jesus died for us all. God the Father delivered Jesus up for us all. Why? So that all of us could be free. See, we don't have a greater redemption than somebody else. Oh, there's Brother So-and-so getting his prayers answered once again. Sure, because God really loves him. Beloved, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us that God our Father loves us all. We are equal heirs, joint heirs with God. There isn't somebody that's more spiritual than somebody else. There might be somebody that's more developed than somebody else. You hear that? He might be more developed. You're not more human than I am. I hope not. Are you? No one's more human than somebody else. Everybody that's a human being is a human being. That settles it. Well, everybody that's born of the Spirit is spiritual. You're born of the Spirit. But you might not be as mature physically, emotionally, as somebody else. Because why? They've developed. And they've grown. They've reached spiritual maturity. 
Didn't Paul write to the Corinthian church and say, I can't speak unto you as spiritual, I can only speak unto you as in the carnal? Why? They weren't developed. That doesn't mean they're not a spiritual being. They're a spiritual being. They're a new creation in Christ Jesus, but they did not develop spiritually. Consequently, they were immature. We all have the same redemption. We all have the same rights and privileges. We all have the same name of Jesus. We all have the, the same inheritance. We all have the same spiritual authority or dominion to rule over all the powers of darkness in our lives. Well, he goes on to say something here. How shall he not with him also freely give us? Notice it says us, not me. Time and time again, I read after some of these writers that say, well, the Apostle Paul, you know, he was in a class of his own. Somebody special, someone that God selected out. Yes, God had a special work for him that he didn't call me to do, that he didn't call you to do. But that did not make him more spiritual. That did not make him to be somebody who is unreachable. That didn't classify him as somebody special in the sight of God. He's a human being just like I am, just like you are, just like everybody is. But he had to do the will of the Lord for his life. And we respect his position. We, re we reverence, you know, the position that God had given unto him. We respect his authority. But as far as being a human being, born of the Spirit, he has the same redemption that I have. I have the same rights and privileges that he has. And I have the same potential to develop spiritually so that I could reign as a king in the realm of life. Just as he did. We all have the same potential. We all have the same abilities when it comes to things of the Spirit. Because we all have the same Word of God. We all have the same Bible, don't we? Sure, it says the same thing to you as it says to me. Amen? Sure it does. And it's all in here. Let's, let's read on and let's look what he said here. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, in a few of them, everybody say all. In all these things, we, He's writing to the church at Rome. He's saying, you and me, myself included, we are, all of us, we're all more than conquerors. Not just a conqueror, more than a conqueror. Through him that loves us. Everybody say it, I am more than a conqueror. Say, we are more than conquerors. Through Jesus Christ. We need not be defeated. We will not be defeated. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, I told you what a more than a conqueror was, didn't I? Many times. It's the truth. Actually, that's how you learn about spiritual authority or spiritual dominion. See, our authority has been handed down to us or given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why He calls us more than conquerors. Because we did not have to fight the fight that He fought. 
Had we fought that fight, we would have lost, hands down. There isn't a human being alive today that can go to heaven because of his own merit. There isn't a human being alive today that can live good enough on this earth to someday make heaven their home. There isn't a human being alive today that has enough strength to overcome the influence of evil in himself. There isn't a teenager alive today that has power over the influences that surround him in his everyday life circumstances. Drugs, alcohol, sex, violence, anxieties, worries, frustrations, and fears, especially the fear of death. But my brother and my sister, young people, older people alike, I want you to know today, there is a power. There is a power. There is a source of power that is more powerful than anything that life could throw our way. There is a source of power that is more powerful than all the influences of hell itself. For the Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, Greater is He that's in us than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in us than tobacco and alcohol and drugs and fornication and adultery. Greater is he that's in us than anxieties and worries and fears and frustrations of life. Greater is he that's in us than sicknesses and diseases and mental anguish. Glory to God. Greater is he that's in us. We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Glory. That's the message of the hour. That's the message of the body of Christ today. He's greater in us. Never before in any time in history do young people need to know this blessed truth. My heart goes out to many of you young people. As I said, I didn't even know what, what you know, drugs were. I wasn't around them. I'm, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I went through my teenage years and I never, never did know what, you know, I never saw anything like that. It may have been a little bit around. I don't know. But, but as far as I'm concerned, I didn't, you know, see anything. I mean that. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Some of you young people out there, I didn't know, you know, what it was to touch a girl. Our generation wasn't like that. But it seems like as the years have gone by, you look b- back now, you know, we're talking about 11, 12-year-old children. You know, they, they don't want to just go on a date just to hold hands. That's the truth. Why? Because of the media. Because of the pornography. Because of the television set. Because of the movies. Because of everything that, that's out that portrays all this. Puts it right in front of their eyes. Association, environment, right in their own home. I mean, parents bring in, you know, wrong books in the house and that sort of thing, and the children pick them up and read them. How about sex education in school? Yeah. Gives them an education. As far as I'm concerned, it exposes them too soon. I believe it's a parent's responsibility. I don't know about you. You can say what you think what you like. It's a free country. But it's a parent's responsibility to train up a child in the way he should go. 
And when he grows old, he won't depart. Oh, I'm looking forward to a day when parents take the authority that God gave them. Spiritual authority. Hallelujah. And use it. Because you see, my brother and sister, as a parent, we'll not have control over our children's lives unless we understand spiritual authority. We can't fight this fight in the flesh. We can't fight this fight in the realm of emotions. Every time you try, you always end up short. But in the spiritual realm, you have the right and the authority and the spiritual dominion that God gave you to say, Devil, get your hand off my child. Thou foul spirit, get your hand off my child. Oh, I want to, we want to talk about this, spiritual authority. Beloved, this is a, a subject of the Bible that I believe we know too little about. This is what it's all about. This is what Christianity is all about. Spiritual dominion. Seated us with Him in the heavenly places, far above all principality, all power, all might, every dominion that's named. And He's given unto us a name above every other name. So that at the name of Jesus, those influences, those powers, those mights, those dominions, they must fall and bow their knee when we speak our authority in the name of Jesus. They have to. Not that they might. And it's not that we tried to do it and it didn't work, beloved. It's that we know our authority and we did it. We used it and it works. And it will never fail. So long as we understand how to use our authority. Our dominion that God has given unto us. Well, let's find another scripture here. Look at Ephesians. Chapter 6. Sometimes I, I recall going into meetings with the clergy. And oh, how the Spirit of God was yearning with inside my spirit. Because all I heard was, there's something we got to do. There's something we got to do. Well, what is it, one said? Well, we got to do this. We got to use force. Yeah, force. Violence sometimes. Let's go up and stand for our rights. Let's go do this. Let's go knock on doors. Let's go bang on. Let's, let's get a hold of people and let's bother them. Ephesians teaches us, beloved, that our battle is not with flesh and blood. We are not battling people. The influence over this country is not because of just people. But there are spiritual forces. There are spiritual wickedness in high places. There's a realm of the Spirit, unseen, the world of darkness, where Satan is king. He's the prince of darkness. Jesus acknowledged that. Jesus recognized that. That's, he's, he's reigning as, as a king, as the prince in, in, in the air of darkness, as the ruler of the darkness of this world. And those influences, you see. Anybody here born again, Spirit-filled? You believe God's Word and you know about authority a little bit? I want you to know that your, you, your family unit, you, as far as the devil is concerned, are his number one enemy. He wants you. If he can't get to your spirit, he'll try to get to your mind, your soul. If he can't get to your soul, he'll try to get your body. If he can't get your body, he'll try to get your wife. If he can't get your wife, he'll try to get your children. If he can't get your children, he'll get somebody else who's close to you to get a hold of you to pull you down. I mean that. People come all the time and they say, I hear the Word of God and things happen to me like I, I could never believe before. I was doing okay till I heard this Word start acting on that Word. Yeah, because the devil found out that you are learning about your authority. He does not want you to operate in the spiritual realm. 
He does not want you to use the name of Jesus and He'll use every force that He possibly has available to Him to try to get a hold of you and make it look like this Word doesn't work. The name of Jesus will work for others, but not for you. You can't use that name. You can't believe that way. It'll work for so-and-so because they're better than you. They live a better life than you. And that's a lie of the devil. Isn't anybody who's got a human body that doesn't have false layers in their lives? Everybody's a human being. We're all human. We all are subject to error and, and faults and failures in our lives. But, beloved, we're not fighting the devil with our own strength. We're coming against him with the power of God. Hallelujah. With the name of Jesus. What he has done for us. He is our strength. Glory to God. He is the strength of our lives. That's what we have to learn. That's what we have to know. And this dominion does not operate in the emotional realm, in the mental realm. It's not because of how much I learned about the Bible. It, it's not here. It's not intellect. You'll not fight spiritual forces with intelligence. My brother and sister, it's with spiritual power. It's when this Word becomes alive in our spirit, in our innermost being. And you know, you could tell the difference between spirit and soul. See, spirit or soul is like this. You ever put a... You know, it used to be you could put a dime in. But not anymore. You've got to put a quarter in that phone booth. You know, to make a phone call. You put that quarter in. Did you ever do that and sometimes it just stayed right there? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Then if you're like me, you went... You didn't do that. Well, I did. <laughs> See, when it's up there, it's just, that's, that's your head. That's just like your soul. It's right here. We get it up here and we think we know it. And thank God we do know it up here. And if that's all there was to it, we'd all have it made. But that's not all there is to it. When you hit that and it falls down and it goes clunk, then you start to dial. Because I know it went down. When, it gets down. when the Word gets down here. When the Word gets... When the understanding of our authority gets down here. Down in our spirit. Then you know you've made connection. Then you know you're ready. Then you could use the Word in the realm of the Spirit. Not in the realm of intelligence of the intellect, but in the realm of the Spirit. And when you speak for Spirit-filled words and faith, I'm telling you that the, the world of darkness has to recognize your authority in the name of Jesus. See, Jesus' authority is suspended right now. Did you know that? He's up at the right hand of the Father. All authority and power was given unto Him when He was raised up from the dead, but it's suspended because He said, I give it all unto you. Go ye therefore. You get a hold of it. See, that's why people are defeated in, in Christianity. Because they say, I want to get God to do something about the devil. He's not going to do anything about the devil. He defeated the devil and he gave us the authority and the power over the devil. He said, you do something about it. And if you don't do anything about it, it will not be done. If we don't do something about the wicked one, nothing will be done. He will run havoc over our lives if we let him. That's why I said if we're defeated, it's our own fault because we let him. He cannot deliver a package of sickness and disease to your house unless you sign for it. Just like the postman. He can't do that. But you see, we've not learned our authority, so we've signed for it. We've not learned how to deal with it, so we've signed for it. And we open up the door and let him come on, bring his garbage in. But you see, beloved, when we learn our authority, we could put that bloodline around our home, which is our domain... And we could stand there in the face of all adversity and say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you foul spirits will never cross this bloodline. You will not touch my family. I hear Christians telling me all the time, I've got all these demons in my house. I say, you do? Oh, yeah. This one brings it in and that one brings it in. I said, well, that's, that's, 
If that's what your confession is, that's what you have. Can you help me? No, not if that's going to be your confession. Not if that's your confession. They got there because of that confession. We, there's something we need to learn about spiritual authority. Let's just hold that just for a minute. We have authority over demon spirits, but we don't have authority over human wills. We have the authority to bind demon spirits from ruling over people's, over our lives and in our family unit. It starts with our own home, our own domain. We have the right in the name of Jesus to use that authority to stop any work of the enemy within our home. But when it, somebody who is outside of our kingdom, so to speak, of our domain, we don't have authority over that person's will. If that person wants to live in sin, there isn't anything you can do about it. If that person wants to serve the devil, you can't change that person's will. That's where intercession comes in. Where we pray in the Spirit. Please listen. Wait upon the Lord. See, if it's in my own home, I could just say in the name of Jesus, I take authority over you, foul devil of this or whatever demon was, and just say, I, I do not allow you to operate or function within the walls, the confines of this home, because we are believers. But if it's in your house down the street, there's where we need to wait upon the Lord and pray in the Holy Ghost and intercede, staying in the Spirit until the Spirit, notice, until the Spirit gives us a revelation. Until the Spirit... Remember the, that woman that Paul, that chased Paul and followed Paul and said, these are, guys, these are those that are teaching us the ways of the Most High God, the way of salvation? But after many days had gone by, Paul didn't do anything about it. Why? It's another person's life. And that person obviously didn't want deliverance. So he kept praying about it, staying in the Spirit, staying in the Spirit, praying about it, staying in the Spirit, waiting upon the Lord. You just can't take it with the Word. You just can't use the Word and just go ahead and do something about that because that's somebody else's life. But the longer he stayed in the Spirit, the longer he prayed about it, the longer he waited upon the Lord, then he had a revelation from the Lord. And when that revelation came, then he knew exactly what to do. He dealt with the Spirit by the discerning of spirits. He discerned the Spirit, told the Spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to go, and it had to leave. And she was instantly delivered and set free. Had he never had that revelation, there was anything he could have done about that Spirit operating through that woman's life. As long as she wanted it, and as long as he didn't have that revelation. Well, let's, let's, let's look at it, you know, in these terms. I can't come over to your house and spend your money. I can't come over to your house and tell you what to do with your life or your possessions or tell you how to rearrange your furniture in your house. And you don't come over to my house and tell me what to do with our furniture. You know. Right? What's that saying? You have authority where? In your own home. In your own life. Among your own family. But when you get out of that realm into another realm where you're trying to get into somebody else's life, that takes intercessory prayer. And you just can't just say, in the name of Jesus, I bind this or I bind that. You've got to have a revelation from the Father. You have to see that in the Spirit. You have to know what's going on and stay before God. That's why many people try it, but it doesn't work, they say. They tried it, but it didn't work. You use it in your own home, it'll work for you all the time. But when you get out of that realm, out of your own domain, into somebody else's life, then you need to have that revelation from the Spirit. Either stay before God, stay before God, stand before God to find out how He would have you to minister life to that person. And if that person's will is involved and that person's that person wills not to be set free, 
then Jesus or you or me or nobody can set them free. Because you see, the free will will prevail. We are a free will moral agent that cannot be overcome by any force. If that were true, if it was true that we could be overcome, do you know what? Today, our Father would have every individual born again that's upon the face of the earth and tomorrow we'd go into the millennium. If He could do that. That's why we keep persuading men. That's why we keep preaching the gospel. That's why we keep waiting upon the Lord. That's why we keep interceding for people who are not in the will of God, who are rebellious. Oh, it's so important. You young people think, well, my mom will pray for me. My father will pray for me. Hold on. You've got a life of your own. You could use the name of Jesus. You're old enough to do that. You know better. Alcohol has no power over you. Just speak to it in the name of Jesus, you spirit of alcohol. Go! It can overcome you. Another thing. You get a hold of a person who's bound by a spirit, you get them in your presence. You, come, you get them to come over your house. You can stop that spirit from operating in, that, in, in their life while they're in your house. I've had this happen. But as soon as they leave and walk out the door and go off down their own way, you know what happened? They come back on them. That's the truth. I've seen miraculous things happen. I'm just, just thinking right now of an incident where I just talked to somebody, the word of faith. And I saw a response in that person's body by faith of the power of God while we were talking the word of faith. But no sooner did I leave, an hour later, that person would be under the control and dominion of the devil again. Why? Because they've not got the revelation of their spiritual dominion or authority. They haven't learned how to use it. This scripture right over here in Ephesians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in who? And in the power of His might. Now, I want to give you a better rendering of that. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the dominion of His force. More literally. In the dominion. Dominion is spiritual authority. The dominion of His force or His power, His might, His forcefulness. We are not told to be strong in ourselves. See, sometimes I think we're, we think we've got to be so holy, live such a holy life from a natural standpoint. Yes, we need to walk holy before God, but you don't walk holy after the flesh. And the devil uses condemnation upon you when you make a mistake instead of picking up with the blood of Jesus and going on. Be strong in the dominion of His forcefulness. How can we understand that kind of language? It's just like this. What is the force that's behind our spiritual authority? Well, what is the force that's behind the authority of a police officer? What is the force that's behind it? You get a police officer walk out and stand out in the street over there and you come driving your car and he blows his whistle real loud and puts his hand up and says, Stop. What are you going to do? Are you going to stop? Are you going to run him over? Huh? I said, Are you going to stop or are you going to run him over? Why are you going to stop? Now, can, can he stop you? Can he stop your car with all, all the efforts that he might possibly use? Can he stop your car if you're traveling about 55 miles an hour? He's standing in the street like this here. No, he can't. 
And that's exactly what believers are doing today. We're trying to fight the devil with human force or emotional force, intellectual force, trying to stop that car from running us over. And we're using everything we have within us physically and emotionally. But that officer wasn't strong muscularly. He wasn't strong physically. He was no match for that car traveling 55 miles an hour down the road. But you see, he had something on. He had on a blue suit. He had a badge. He had a cap. He had a gun. He had a club. And the moment you saw him, you recognized the fact that the government of the United States of America stands behind his authority. And when you saw him, immediately you, if you're a law-abiding citizen, respected his authority and he had you to stop your car. Not by this strength, but by the authority that he had in the name of the U.S. government. Well, what is the force that's behind our authority? The Bible teaches us that God Himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and all the angelic hosts stand behind our authority. The government of heaven itself stands behind the authority of the believer in the name of Jesus. So when the devil comes traveling 55 miles an hour right on down the pathway of your life, when he looks you in the face, eyeball to eyeball, and says, I'm going to run you over. I'm going to make your life a wreck. I'm going to destroy your life, your children's lives. I'm going to run you down like a roaring lion coming your way down that road. You could put on the whole armor of God. Hallelujah. See, let's read that here before we say that. Let's read that here. Be strong in the dominion of His forcefulness. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Why? That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. That's that girdle. The Roman soldier used to wear to hold all of his armor in place. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. When you've got a breastplate of righteousness on, you cannot be accused by the devil. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. That's a twofold working. Number one, you've got Jesus on. You're in Jesus. You're cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Number two, there's an everyday act of obedience to the Word of God in your life. Every day you're serving Him. Every day you're walking in the light as He is in the light. And the blood of Jesus is cleansing you from all sin. That's how you're standing. It's still coming. 55 mile an hour coming right at you. The devil going to annihilate you. wants to run you over. You know, and destroy your life. But you've got that breastplate of righteousness on. And your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're proclaiming the truth of the good news of the gospel to everyone you see. You're a marked enemy as far as the devil's concerned. You're a marked individual because you're preaching the word of God. Hallelujah. You stand for righteousness sake. Well, 
He goes on to say, above all, taking the shield. Glory to God of faith. You've got a shield. It's a shield of faith. It's a covering. It's a covering for every part of the believer. It's that covering that Adam lost way back there in the beginning. He was clothed. He was covered. He was covered with the glory of the Lord. But we've been clothed. We've been covered with the glory of the Lord. And we stand clothed, cleansed, clean by the blood of Jesus. We've got a shield of faith. It's like a barrier. That's exactly what it is. It's a barrier. It's a shield that goes all the way around the believer. It'll quench every fiery dart of the devil. And take the helmet of salvation. Oh, but we need to have our heads on right. Can you say amen? We live in such a day and age where there's so many things the world has to offer to make you go this way, to make your head go that way, this way, that way. I want to be this in life, and I want to be that in life, and I've got to pursue this in life, and I've got to pursue that in life, and, and this looks so good, and this feels so good, and that seems so right. It's all out there. It's all exposed. There isn't anything hidden anymore. Sometimes I think we don't know what we're talking about when, when we say expressions. You know what it means? The darkness is getting darker. Darkness used to be covered up. If you was a homosexual, you didn't want anybody to know that. If you were a prostitute, you didn't want anybody to know that. There's no shame today. People don't care today. It's uncovered. The darkness has gotten darker. And it's getting darker. There's a parallel. The darkness is getting darker and darker and darker. They want their rights. They want to do all this. They want to expose themselves to the world. We have the right to be this way. Beloved, the light is becoming brighter and brighter and brighter. Men will be without excuse. People are hearing the truth unadulterated. The Word of God is going forth like never before. We need not be deceived by the darkness of this world. It's becoming so black. And before that great and notable day of the Lord, when He comes, there'll be such a, a, a glorious cloud of glory. It'll be so bright, it'll be the Word of God shining forth as a beacon light into a world of darkness. And they'll, be, they'll know what's right is right. They'll know what's wrong is wrong. You see, there's no shame today. It's gone. But, beloved, the light is becoming brighter. Our heads have to be on straight. The helmet of salvation. Can I just, just for a moment say this? There are people that think they can go to heaven and live like the devil. That's what this generation is offering today. Get saved. Everybody's born again. Everybody's saved today. But it don't matter if you change your life. Well, what were you before? A homosexual. That doesn't matter. God made you that way today, they say. You can stay like that and still go to heaven. I wonder what Bible they're reading. Now, beloved, this, you should say, well, this is far-fetched. This is not far-fetched. There are those who have claimed to, to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord who are engaged in, in pornography. And I'm talking about, are we adults here? Pornographic films. 
where they are the stars in the pornographic films, and it's okay. It's my occupation, they say. What did you do? You were a mill worker before you got saved. Did you stay in the mill? Yeah. Well, what's wrong with staying in pornography? What's wrong with staying a prostitute once you get saved? That's what this generation is offering people. Beloved, that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you get saved, you get delivered. When you get washed by the blood, you're a new creation. Old things are gone. Hallelujah. All things are new. And you've got the power over sin. You've got the power in the name of Jesus to live clean before the Lord. We've got power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt us. And that's spiritual authority. See, nobody to blame but ourselves. And take the, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. It's time to cut the devil. I can't cut the devil for you. You're not going to cut the devil for me. We can help people if they want us to help them. If they sincerely want help. But this is a gospel that's preached to every person as an individual. You can take the sword of the Spirit and use it and slice the devil. You can cut his bunch up. We're in a warfare, beloved. Just like that police officer. He puts up that hand, blows that whistle, you stop. You have the right as a family unit, head, husbands. You have the authority given to you in the name of Jesus to stand against the wiles of the devil that come into your domain. You have the authority to keep them out and tell them to desist in their maneuvers over your life. That's what God gave Adam in the very beginning. That's what Adam lost in the very beginning. But I've got good news for you. Jesus came to save that which was lost. And He did it. And you know what He did? He gave us that lost dominion. He gave us the dominion that He recaptured for the body of Christ. All authority is mine, He said. And we're going we're to look into that. We're going to see how there in Psalms 8, He gave man dominion over all the works of His hands. That word in the Hebrew is an open hand. In other words, God made everything, the world and the fullness thereof. He set it in motion. He has supreme authority. But He opened up His hand unto man and says, I give unto you dominion to rule as an under ruler over all the works of my hands. It is in your charge. I don't want you to be defeated. I want you to rule and to be the ruler. I don't want people ruling you. I don't want things ruling you. He said to Adam, you do it. Luke 4 teaches us that, that Satan said to Jesus, All this is in my power. The word power there is exousia, and it means authority. He said to Jesus, All this is in my power. It was delivered unto me by Adam. It's in my power. He's a rebel holder of authority to the body of Christ. Was. Glory to God, was. He said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give this authority to you over all these worlds. And Jesus knew his tricks. <laughs> no, he said, I don't want it that way. That's too easy. Glory to God, I'm going to the cross. Glory to God, I'm going to shed my blood. And when I do, I'm going to defeat you. And all the authority that you trusted in will be given to me. And when I raise up from the dead, I will exercise authority over you and all your demon hosts until you're cast into the lake of fire forever. 
And I do it through the body of Christ upon the earth. Woo! Glory be to God. That's the authority He's given you and me, beloved. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! I know about you. I'm just excited about it. Are you? Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.